You're listening to the Hockey Podcast Network, your home for hockey talk covering every team in the NHL. New episodes every Monday. Download at thehockeypodcastnetwork.com or wherever you get your podcasts from. This is the Leaf Sky Podcast. Here's your host, Jim Taddy. Hi, everybody. Thank you, Mike Ross, for that fine introduction. Welcome to Season 2, Episode 2 of Leaf Sky. Jim Taddy with you for the next half hour or so. Our guest today is Terry Koshan from the Toronto Sun. Going over the Leafs' first four games, they've got two wins and two losses. Painful overtime loss to the Rangers at home on Monday night where they threw everything at the Rangers' goal and could not score and lost it on an untimely face-off loss in overtime in a game where the Leafs were 76% in the face-off dot, and yet Sabinijad somehow gets the puck over to Panarin, and in it goes, and 2-1, the Rangers win in overtime. It's an interesting sample size. I know it's only four games, but there's things that are apparent. Bunting looks very good. We're still debating the Richie fit on the left side of Matthews and Marner, although I have to qualify that. Matthews has only played one game in four months, so it's hard to get into that. Uh, We'll develop this later on, but before we get going, I have to tell you this. Another week of the NFL season means another shot to win big at DraftKings Sportsbook, an official sports betting partner of the NFL. New customers can bet just $1 on any NFL game and win $100 dollars in free bets if either team scores a point. Yeah, that's that's it. Just $1 is the wager at any NFL game. You win $100 in free bets if either team scores a point. The last 0-0 tie in NFL history was 1943. So I'm going to say Guy, this is a no-brainer. If Sportsbook isn't available in your area, DraftKings won't leave you empty-handed. Everyone can play for huge cash prizes all season long with DraftKings Daily Fantasy Sports Contest. DraftKings is giving all new customers a free shot at millions of dollars in total prizes with their first deposit. Here is, ladies and gentlemen, here is the call to action. Download the DraftKings Sportsbook app now. Use the promo code THPN. Throw $1 down on any NFL game and win $100 in free bets if either team Team scores a point. The promo code is THPN this week at DraftKings Sportsbook, an official sports betting partner of the NFL. Eligibility restrictions apply. See DraftKings.com for complete details. All right, back to the hockey story. So as I was saying, Matthews, in his one game in four months, makes a splash of a debut. Eight shots on goal, another eight attempts at the net were either blocked or missed. So he fired the puck 16 times. Marner, well, you know, he's he had chemistry with Richie and training camp, but so far has struggled offensively, so we're going to have to back off on the analysis here, or I, I guess maybe not back off on the analysis, but the criticism because we need several more games of Matthews between Martin and Richie to understand. I have concerns about Richie in terms of his speed, and I also have concerns mildly about Marner because he has to do it. He's paid to do it, and he has to do it. Sooner or later, he's going to figure that out. So we'll move on and listen to our conversation now with Terry Koshan from the Toronto Sun. All right, Terry, the probing question, what have you seen so far? How would you describe the Leafs' start to the season? Well, I think in general terms, Jim, it's been fine. Uh, you know, the, the two losses, they, they, you know, and a lot of nights they probably win those games. Um, you know, you, you get uh, outplayed, if you will, by a goaltender last week in Anton Forsberg and then, uh, you know, the Rangers' Igor Shesterkin on Monday night. 
a couple of games the Leafs should have won. Now, I, I guess the beef with that with that would be well, you you have people in the lineup, and I know Austin Matthews is back for one game, so I don't really count him. But people in the lineup who are paid to be the difference makers in those games, and and neither time that happened, and uh, certainly there are opportunities on Monday night in overtime for that to happen. But you know, Sheldon Keith didn't like the effort last week in Ottawa, despite putting I think forty eight shots on Anton Forsberg. Um, but you know, there's just got to be. A little more uh, determination, I think, from the Leafs in the offensive zone and, and turning those uh, close games into wins. But overall, I mean, it's difficult to argue. They, defensively, I think they've been pretty good uh, for the most part. Um, you know, special teams, I think both uh, – you can see the improvements they're making on both sides, with the PK and the PP, but, you know, room for improvement there. You know what, Jim? I, I think that even with McKay about now that you've got Matthews back, um, you'll be able to get a proper gauge here going forward on what this team is capable of. Uh, because yeah. without, without him, the first three games, it's, that's 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 a little more difficult to do. Yeah, and, and uh, admittedly, it would take some time. I mean, we all forget he he hasn't played since um, last what May, late May against Montreal. So I mean, he missed all the training camp that way. So and he was a force to be reckoned with in Game One. He had he directed. 16 shots on goal. I mean, eight, eight actually got through, but there was another eight that either got blocked or, or missed. And, and you could see the effort there. Uh, that was like a solo effort. So you, that line has to knit together. Yeah. And I think it will eventually. Um, I'm, I'm still, I, I, you'd still have to do a better job of selling me. I mean, you personally, of course, but if you want, but anyone yeah. selling me on Nick Ritchie uh, on that line, I understand that, uh, you know, it will take some time to gel now, but uh, you know, playing with Austin Matthews and, and Mitch Marner should put you in a better position as a hockey player. I think it would, that would go for anybody. Um, and we'll have to see how that fits there. I, does he have the, uh, the the quickness to keep up with those two over the long haul? We're about to find out. Um, I don't know that he does, but uh, perhaps he can prove me wrong and, and, and be that player on that line. But uh, Matthews uh, showed us Monday night. This is his team, Jim. No ifs, ands, nor buts about it. I know, listen, Jack, Jack Gamble – has been excellent for the Leafs already in the early going and expect he will be for the rest of the year. But this is Matthew's team, period. And uh, I'm not going off one game. I'm going off everything he's done in his career. And uh, we just got another reminder of that on Monday night. So, you know, full bore ahead for him. His next goal is his 200th, which already will put him in a tie for 13th in, in the Leafs career list, which is amazing considering he hasn't, it's not like he's been here for 10 or 12 years, but um, you know, I think it's encouraging that he's back. And uh, like I said, uh, we'll see how it goes. But I, I wouldn't, if I'm Nick Ritchie, you know, I'm not necessarily, um, I don't think he's locked in in that spot. Like Michael Bunny's going to get a shot there at some point. Yeah, I mean, you've opened a couple of doors there. So let, let's go through. And, and you know, again, I'm going to spare Nick Ritchie here because uh, any analysis we're applying to him uh, is just for the specific fit on that line. He's an NHL player. He's on yeah. the lease roster. We can find a spot for him somewhere else. But but let's yeah. go back to the job description. And so when you have a Rocket Richard trophy winning center and mm -hmm. an all-star right winger, the job on the left side is very specific. I mean, if you think of all the great hockey players and, and the tandems they were in, whether it be, you know, Hall of Fame defenseman or a, a great line, there's that chemistry there. There's that fit. Now, one of the things about the fit is, uh, you know, what's left of the ice and how do I help these two guys get to where they're supposed to be? The other one is, is the thought process and the speed of the game. Those three things are very specific and they're not everybody. No, they're not. And if you're Sheldon Keats and the, Keith and the co coaching staff, like, you probably don't go about it this way, but you might plunk Nick Ritchie down in the office and say, here's video of Nick Zach Hyman and what he did on this line. 
try to replicate this to the best of your ability. Yeah, because that was the fit. It was the perfect fit. Can he do that now? Don't know about that. Not over an 82-game 80, an season. We'll have to see. Keith himself has said that, you know, the left wing side, is it, there's moving parts there. Uh, we'll just have to see how long it goes before those those parts begin to move again. But uh, Hyman's the epitome of that, of what you want. Get the puck, get it to the guys, get it to Marner, um, get it to get it to Matthews for the shot, whatever it is you're going to do. Um, be a nuisance in the, deep in the offensive zone. I mean, you know, you say replicate Hyman, but who can do that, Jim? I mean, the way this guy forechecks and and even watching was watching the Oilers game last night and do it just you kind of remember again that he's on the ice again for that for the empty net goal and I think you set up dry settle for it. It's just yeah. They're, they're just missing that whole element that he brings. And, um, you know, going into it, obviously, you know, you're not going to replace that. They said that several times, but it's incumbent on Nick Ritchie to get as close to that type of player as he can. Um, but we'll see if that happens or not. And I guess by that I'm implying doubt because he doesn't have the quickness that Zach Hyman does. And I don't necessarily know that he's got the smarts for it either, but we'll see. Yeah, and, and you know, the, the, I guess the Hyman analysis is it applies to the length of the ice. Mm-hmm. It's not just 15 to 20 feet around the goal. It's, it's. I mean, if you want to talk about the dry side of goal, where's that set up? That's yeah. that's set up on, on the blue line, the neutral zone, right? Yeah. So he's got to, whoever that is, has to be able to skate with these guys and think like they do. And I, as I said before, that's not everybody. Now, the obvious assumption would be, well, let's move Bunting up there. I mean, Bunting mm-hmm. plays with the pace, but I'm not, you know, you'd have to convince me that would be a fit too. Well, I think, yeah, and just given where Bunting is in his career, we don't have the evidence of that. Uh, but it's a different thing with Richie. We don't have the necessary evidence because he hasn't shown that in his career. We don't have the necessary evidence from Bunting yet because he hasn't played. And right. maybe he can be that guy. So, you know, maybe that maybe that edge eventually goes to him in that spot. But uh, I don't know. It's um, The Leafs knew going in, they were, it was going to be, uh, like I said, Jim, um, you know, they were going to be moving things around. You know, with McKayev out now for for a, for a while, it um, it uh, you know it, it limits those options. Even Nick Robertson suffering the broken leg over the weekend with the Marlies. I mean, yeah. it's tough for the kid, but it also now going forward takes an option out for the Leafs out of their depth. I mean, he gets off to a good start there with the Marlies. Leafs running into injury trouble. He's likely going to get a recall at some point. Keith himself had said at the end of camp that Robertson is going to be an option for them. Well, he won't be now until probably the new year. So, you know, moving parts there and all that, I think so. I think they're comfortable in that sense. But having said that, you know, you want Richie to take that ball and run with it. And again, you know, let's see what happens now through a few games with, with Matthews. But I, I know where you're going with this, and I, and I, I tend to agree with you that, uh, you know, the evidence has shown over Richie's career that he might not necessarily have the, um, have the wherewithal to make this happen over a long, tough, long haul. And, uh, you know... You'd like to think there have been factors in his career that would point otherwise, but I don't think we've seen that really. Yeah, it's uh, you know, it's going to take a, a long time to sort this out. Uh, the other uh, sort of door that you opened in, in your original comments, uh, you know, when you're talking about um, the loss to the Rangers uh, and the and the one uh, in Ottawa, is you know that these are noticeable points, even even four games in is. What will the team do when it doesn't get its way? Uh, when when the other team is either not allowing them to do when they what they can do, or I, I think in in these two cases, good goaltending. And I think if you went back over it, 
uh, you would admit that it uh, was good goaltending, but every puck was right in the crest. I mean, right. I'm not going to take anything away from the goalie, but, you know, if you're on a power play, think back to Monday night on that power play where the first one, uh, you couldn't follow the puck. It was moving too fast. And then the Rangers just went, okay, shoot. Here's the lane. Shoot. Yeah. And there was no adjustment by the Leafs. So, so that's what we're talking about is in-game adjustments, which has plagued this team in the past. It has. And you know what? The... Uh... You know, Keith brought it up yesterday after practice, Jim. It's it's all about these clean looks and how they're it's too clean, like you said. And 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 we didn't see the in-game adjustments last year in the playoffs, and uh, we didn't necessarily see them in these two losses. And that's going to have to change going forward somehow. That's on both the coaching staff and the players. But if you recognize that uh, last Thursday that Forsberg is going to be in his own fairly early, or if you recognize that Sturkin is going to be one for the Rangers, then yeah, those. Those, uh, you know, you have to make those changes as the on the fly, so to speak. And um, you like to think that they will do that if that happens again or when that happens again, because it will. Uh, there's no doubt about that. They're not going to, you know, suddenly start getting a bunch of sieves on the opponent's net. So um, so that's that's a change that has to come. But at least right now, you know, the Leafs recognize what it has been in those two games. And uh, the change for now should come from the start of each hockey game. Uh, so they don't they don't allow those goalies to get into those grooves and to get comfortable. But uh, you know there were not a lot of great second chances in uh, in these games where they've been stymied. And like you say, you seem to look up all the time and, and shots that were coming from the perimeter. There was uh, no screen or or, or or you know very rarely there was one. And, yeah. and that, that has to change for them. Go to the dirty yeah, sure. like to say. Or, or or come up with a lateral pass. Uh, you know, maybe yeah. the lane was blocked. But do you have to move it around? I mean, this goes back to uh, when the power play was uh, stagnant late last year. Was uh, there? It was. Uh, it was a script that didn't work, and, and nobody right. would adjust it. So that, that's what we're talking about here. And it's early, and you don't want to rush to judgment. But we we are seeing signs of that. Now we talked about uh, Richie on the left side of the Matthews Marner line. Are you concerned at all about the right side? Well, you, in the long haul, no, but one assist in four games, is, that sends a red flag halfway up the pole at least. Yeah. You can talk about uh, opportunities and all this, doing the little things well, well, uh, fine. Um, Mitch Marner's paid to do the big things well. And this is, I think, 12 games now without a goal, Jim, dating back to the playoffs, the last game of the regular season. I know, listen, I know he's not here to, to fill the net. But uh, one assist, and he was not like he was uh, setting up uh, goals all through that series against Montreal, and at least just happened to lose. That didn't happen, obviously. Um, but one assist through four games, and uh, hasn't been overly impressive. And um, you know, I, again, there's been some, uh, there's been a bit of moving around with that line. Matthews there now, but uh, the fact of the matter is, the the chemistry that uh, Marner and, and Richie had through the preseason didn't translate, or hasn't translated. Maybe Matthews can jumpstart that now. Now, look, Marner and Matthews looked awfully good, of course, as we saw on Monday night together, uh, doing yeah. the things that they're capable of doing. But you, you would have liked to have seen a little bit more of a push from Marner through four games. That's all. And can that come? Sure, you can. I, I still think he's capable of 100 points in the regular season. As we said before, does the judgment come in the playoffs? Yes, it does. But, uh, you know, I, I just think you would have liked to have seen a little bit more um, oomph from him, if you will, in the early going. And that goes for the captain as well in the second line. We haven't seen that yet from Tavares, but uh, again, they've won two hockey games, lost another in overtime. So there is, you know, they're they're not. It's not the end of the world here. We're not in Montreal right now, but um, you know, if, if they do those jobs properly, 
the people who get the big bucks, the people who are among the, the top seven in the NHL and salary cap hits, then they make the difference at the end of the games. It didn't happen against the Rangers and it didn't happen in Ottawa last week. Yeah, you know, it's not a criticism. I mean, Matthews has only played one game in four months. So uh, I just I think it's an interesting exercise, though, in the chemistry of a line. So you've got an entire training camp and, and three games of the regular season where, you know, Richie and, and Marner are, are bonding, uh, albeit with different centers, uh, lately Tavares, but but now uh, Matthews. And, and then you put Matthews back in, and he's got to find his game, and then, then his lines game. Uh, and you could see that, you know, this is going to take a little while to uh, to settle down, mm-hmm. uh, which is not really inspiring to, to Leaf fans because, you know, all of a sudden, well, not suddenly, but, uh, you know, the developing story in a negative fashion is Marner has to get his game back. So now you've got a, a center who's who's debuting and, and looks great, but the two mm-hmm. wingers don't necessarily. Yeah, it's, it's a weird thing, right? You know, you, you look at this and you say, well, by uh... – by definition, Marner, and again, I'll, I'll use Tavares in this, should have been fine from the get-go because they were playing through camp. This Matthews doesn't, and he's the, by far the best player on the ice on Monday. And I don't think there will be any difference on Friday against the Sharks or probably the next night against Pittsburgh, in, in, uh, in, against the Penguins in Pittsburgh. Um, you know, perhaps you look at another way, too, is that, you know, in, in a perfect world, Keith, Keith would have liked to have had something maybe to think about when Matthews was coming back vis-a-vis the way Tavares would have hoped for played with Marner on that line. I don't think he would have ever split up Matthews and Marner, but there was, there was just nothing there that way that would lead Keith to believe, okay, maybe I shouldn't change this. And again, you know, Tavares was right back to Nylander fine, but uh, yeah, there's just, you know, do I think for both of those players, this is going to be long lasting? No, I still think that, a guy like Tavares is at a point where he's got to work his uh, pants off for every point that he gets. Uh, but you know, I, I would think that with Marner and Matthews, it's gonna it's gonna happen here. Like I said, I, I just wish or not wish, but it, it just would have been better for the Leafs. I think had they seen uh, a little bit more out of those two other players uh, in the early going. Okay, so so let me throw this theory at you. Um, you know, this lineup has all kinds of flexibility, and we've talked about it on, on previous podcasts, and we all like it. But it, it's it seems to me, not just this year, but but going back, that when you have those core four players, the the Matthews, Marner, Tavares, Nylander combination, we seem to spend a lot of time uh, w- with a Hyman injury, wondering what the right fit is on the left side. I mean, was it ever without Hyman set? It, it always seemed these guys are very particular with who they play with, aren't they? Yeah, well, they they do, but I think it's a lot of what you see a lot around the league is that, you know, the, the duos on lines and then try to figure out that third person on that line. And here we've got, you know, three cases of it in Toronto, um, one fairly new, of course, on the third line with Camp and Kasha. Uh, but Tavares and Elander are a pair, and then you have, uh, you know, 34 and 16 on the top line. So, and I, I think I think in the in the, for the Leafs it's just more of a coincidence that you, that happens to be the right side that appears to be set on each of those lines. I don't think that's the uh, the, the design or the model going into it. It's just the way it's worked out for them. So you know th- that's part and parcel of this. Uh, when you're dealing with the injuries like the Leafs are and, and that sort of thing, you are going to be um, uh, you know I don't think you necessarily want to lock yourselves into anything either. I mean, of course you want everything to work, but you'd like to have that flexibility where you can move people around. Um, there's no doubt now, though, that with McKay about and, and you know, the uh, Robertson op- off the ta- option off the tail for the time being, the depth takes a hit. And we'll see what happens to Akash. He didn't practice yesterday, took a shot off the foot uh, Monday night, and uh, mm-hmm. probably at best is questionable for Thursday. 
then what do you do there? Mike Amadio had that spot during practice, but I don't necessarily think he stays there, see if there's a recall or not. But, um, yeah, you know what? I, I, I don't think that that's overly uh, the way that the, that happens on the left side or just happens to be on the left side in Toronto. I don't see that as being overly different than what goes on in a lot of NHL centers with the way that their forward lines are constituted. And, uh, you know, um, with the Leafs, I guess, the, it's just a little more glaring right now, Jim, because if you and I had talked so much about it, the best player involved in all this coming or going this past summer was Zach Hyman. And that's just not a player that you plug in and, and, and replace uh, on any given night. Yeah. Uh, so you're talking about a recall. And here's, and I'm sure you could help me understand this. Um, Hutchinson couldn't be recalled by on emergency one day, but could be the next day. I, I don't, how does that, I, I know there's salary cap implications, but how? Well, you know, I guess the, the somewhere in the, in, the, in the CBA that you know, if you if you play a man short, uh, it then it, it's it kind of restructures where you can do emergency call up wise and then going forward, and ostensibly that's what the Leafs did Monday or sorry Saturday night in in not recalling Hutchinson and going with uh, you know signing Alex Bishop, the U of T goalie, to a one day uh, amateur trial contract, and now you get um, uh, Hutchinson up the next day. It doesn't count against the cap. All this sort of thing. So. You know, the Leafs are being lauded for their maneuverability on that, but uh, the fact of the matter is you still are in a tough position uh, when you have somebody literally coming in off the street to be your backup goalie. In my mind, Jim, this is a this is a, a greater indictment on the National Hockey League that the teams are forced into these situations. Listen, I know there's a hard cap and everything, and everyone has to adhere to it, and there are rules in place for that, and there are punishments if you don't adhere to it properly and, and all this sort of thing, but... No, no NHL team should be in a spot where you're using a guy in goal um, that that just has no right, has, shouldn't be there. It's different a couple of years ago when it's David Ayers because Carolina ran into injuries in that game, unforeseen injuries. But when you're you're uh, forced into a spot like the Leafs were the other night, and you have to use somebody that um, you know otherwise wouldn't be in the NHL, it's 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 it, it cheapens the league to my to a degree. Yep. You have two rosters of professional hockey players who are, are, are training all their lives to get to this point, and they're all excellent at what they do, uh, relatively speaking, because there's only 700 of them or so in the world. And then you say, okay, well, there's going to be a disadvantage tonight, possibly, because if your starting goalie goes down, we're going to get a kid in there who's never played in the league before. I, I just think there should be a way around that if, if teams run into that issue uh, salary cap-wise. But, um, you know, here we are. If you're playing in the NFL or the CFL, you don't expect a third-string quarterback to come off the street at any given time. Well, yeah, but the, the CFL, you can only dress two quarterbacks. You know, you're talking about apples and oranges, you know what I mean? Yeah. But you know what I'm yeah. saying? It's just, yeah. uh, you know, you're not expecting a reliever in the majors to come in the ninth inning, some guy that no one's ever heard of before or seen before. It just doesn't – that's not the way things work. And I, I just think that, you know, it's, it's, a, it's a great story. It's a great story for David Ayers. And, again, that's a different situation because there's injuries in that game. So we've got to come in. And uh, so Carolina's hand is forced that way. Good story for Alex Bishop. He's got a story now for the rest of his life. Be great for his kids and grandkids, but uh, the league as a whole, I don't, I just don't, you know, you, the Leafs might not say it, but you're, you're damn right that they were holding their breath about Campbell that night. There's no, there's oh, no absolutely. Way. I mean, you know, he's had his own problems. Yeah. Yeah. Crazy. Anyway, uh, let's get back to the Leafs roster. Um, I really like what, you know, when, when they're healthy, uh, the third and fourth lines, I see some work being done there that, that even though some of the names are the same, that, that, you know, there's a consistent effort out of those three and four lines and, and doing their job that I don't think we saw in the past. Would you agree? Yeah. Yeah. Like the, the, the Ingvall Spetsa Simmons line, I like, I really like what they've done. 
effort wise. And you're, you're always going to get that out of those types of players. You know, uh, Simmons is almost making up for something lost last year, Jim, with the injury that he had. He was good before it, not so good after it, which is acknowledged. Uh, Spezza, Spezza, you know, you know what you're getting from Jason. Uh, there's no question about that. And then, you know, Engvall uh, is in a spot now where he's looking around going, okay, there's not a guarantee of a spot here for me. I have to not only earn this, but keep it. And uh, so I think you're going to get the effort out of him that way as well, because the least do have that depth now when they're fully healthy. Um, and in past years, you know, Engvall would have been playing higher up in the lineup, even with a couple of injuries. And right now he isn't. So um, that, that's, you're going to get that from those three, I think. And then the third line, Camp and Kasha, you like the, um, the, the chemistry they've shown right away. You know, Camp's already, he's, he's like, he's at 65% in his draws. Again, it's a small sample size, but you have to like the smarts you're seeing there and just a real competent hockey player. And you, you kind of look, excuse me, you look at it and go, well, interesting that Chicago couldn't find room to keep him, but yeah, you know, I, I just think he's a smart player, good in that spot. And uh, gives gives something that the Leafs a little bit more uh, of a cemented person there that they haven't had, and you know it gives a, it gives a guy like um, all of this gives a guy like Alex Kerfoot, who's on that left side now with with the injuries. You, you can move him around. You can argue with what Kerfoot may or may not bring you. Does he put the puck in the net a lot? No. Does he pile up assists? No. But he's just a good. I think he's just a good, valuable player for you that you can plug in in certain spots and know that uh, he will do a good job for you. So. Um, I, I do like the depth more than I have for this club in recent years. Uh, and like we talked about, you know, you have to look at the Marty's and see how they've started, but there are some good options for them as well there. Like Keith Love, Carol Semyonov in camp, and I think he's going to be a good uh, a possibility for them. But uh, yeah, there's just, there's just, um, there's just a, a solid group in that bottom six right now. Yeah. It would be tough to argue with. And, and uh, I, I think, um, you know, Keith likes it and he should like it going forward. Well, now that I'm back in the building, I, I noticed this right away. I, 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 you know, when Camp and Spitz are on the ice, mm-hmm. I'll, I'll just watch them. And the way they, they're defensively responsible, some of the stuff Spezza does, even along the boards, just angling people off. And, yep. and Camp with his, uh, you know, I mean, he's just very aware defensively. It's fun to watch. Yeah, it is. And you know what? It's funny. You talk about the, uh, you know, these are, little, these are the cool little things that don't show up on stat sheets or even – you know, necessarily uh, the analytics, that sort of thing. That just the, the smart little plays and everything, the, the subtleness of it uh, uh, that you that really only comes through experience. And a guy like Spezza, I mean, you know, he couldn't have any more experience. And you know, I, I think that uh, you know he's, he's a great example that way. That we talk about leadership and this sort of thing. Well, at least brought in the guy last year turned out to be a real dud for them, and Joe Thornton and. Uh, you know, went nowhere, and we'll see how he does with Florida this year. But Spence is the opposite of that. He sets a good example in a lot of ways. I mean, not that Thorne didn't off the ice. He was fine that way. But on the ice, Spencer brings it. And, you know, we all, we all get – well, I think we all get a little bit excited, Jim, when he scores those goals every so often that people say, oh, it's Vincent Spence again. But the fact of the matter is he still does do it every so often. So I don't know how vintage it is, you know. And then yeah. camp, camp, like you say – it's a bit of a revelation for us because, you know, the way that things went last year, you not might not be watching a lot of hockey in other centers. And, uh, you know, him being in the West, like he has been in Chicago for the previous four or five years, uh, we're not seeing a lot of him here. But uh, he's already proving to be a, a real um, a player of steadiness on that third, uh, third line. Yeah. 
Yeah. And Spence is uh, like physically involved. I mean, he does not have a second out there where he's not going full blast. I yeah. just think it's marvelous. Well, and you know what? He's kind of reinvented himself that way. Like, you see, uh, maybe perhaps earlier in his career, he relied on, well, he, not perhaps he did. He relied on the skill more to get him by. Yeah. And, you know, Spezza was never, and still isn't, you're not going to look at him and say he's the quickest player on the ice in, in any situation. But his brain gets him to places where other people might not necessarily get to, whether the speed is there or not. And I think the Leafs are, you know, are, are uh, they've been the beneficiaries of that for sure. There's no doubt. So let's wrap this up. Uh, two wins and two losses. Uh, there's yeah. plenty there to to be happy about. Uh, mild concern, but way too early. But I, I kind of like the way this is tracking, and the hope is that a lot of the things that we're discussing here iron themselves out. Yeah, you know what? And we talk about Marner and Tavares. They're going to be fine. I mean, <laughs> Marner was a little bit impatient with me yesterday. I was just asking him about you know the not producing and that sort of thing, but. Um, that's one day he'll, he'll, he'll be fine. I mean, I still think that he should be on track here for 90 plus points. Uh, Tavares is, you know, again, working for everything he gets, but, uh, you like the chemistry that he's got with Nylander and there's a guy that we didn't really discuss today, but Nylander's picked up where he left off, Jim. Yeah. And, uh, you know what? He's becoming more of that player for the Leafs more consistently. And, uh, you just, you like what he brings on a nightly basis. So, um, Schedule gets interesting now for the Leafs, of course. We get this back-to-back coming up, and then they're you know on the road for three before coming back home for I think you know quite a long stretch. They don't have many road games in November, but uh, um, yeah, it's uh, you iron these things out. Uh, you've got five of a possible eight points, and you go forward. But um, at this point, you're probably looking at the Leafs saying, "Okay, I'm, I might be nitpicking with with some of the negatives we see." But uh, um, you know, they've got their best player back now, and uh, I'm. Very curious to see what he does uh, with the ice time that he gets. So I think I have a good idea what he's going to do. Last minute of play in this podcast. Thank you, Mike Ross. So we're under a time budget, and that means let's get right to Yes Guy, No Guy. Yes Guy, No Guy, number one. Richie is the right left winger for Matthews and Marner. Not sold guy, mm. so that's going to be a no guy. You are concerned about Mitch Marner. Oh, yes, guy. I mean, it doesn't matter who his center is, who he's playing with. He's paid to score, and so far that hasn't happened. Long-term concern, no, but right now after four games, yes, guy. You like the Leafs lines number three and four. Oh, yes, guy. Being in the rink for the first time since the pandemic started, I've been able to see how these lines work, and I really like what I see with camp between Kashep and Kerfoot and Spezza with Simmons and Engvall. These these lines are very industrious. They're doing the small things. They've got good attention to detail, so that's a firm yes guy. Now, let's go to the power play. Oh, guys, seriously with this. In the game on Monday, the first power play was all over the place, and that, that's a good thing. They moved the puck around so fast that the Rangers decided to say, just take the shot on goal. We'll let the goalie see it, shoot away, and they did. So, still not effective. So, that's a no guy concern there. I have concerns. So no guy not happy with the power play, although it looks like it could absolutely blow a game open. It hasn't happened yet. Hope you enjoyed episode number two of season two of Yes Guy. Hope you come back next week for episode three.